Hey, my name is Lizzie Smiley, and I absolutely love helping people connect with their calling and all the tools they need to kick roadblocks and excuses right out the door so they can cultivate the life they dream about. If you want to launch, grow, pivot, or scale your Etsy shop, or you've always wanted to develop the mindset and skills to run your own business, then I'm your girl. I've had that entrepreneurial spirit going strong since my very first lemonade stand, and now I'm a work-at-home mama with multiple online companies and a full-time Etsy shop, all while being present with my kids for the everyday chaos and most important milestones. On this podcast, we'll talk about all things business, mindset, Etsy, creativity, dazzling our customers, and so much more. There's plenty of room at this table for you, so scooch on in and let's go. I'm holding nothing back. Welcome to How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to the podcast this week. I'm so excited. I have been wanting to do a vintage episode for you guys for so long. And this perfect guest presented herself. She's actually one of she's one of us. She listens to the podcast and we connected over a totally different like topic. And she's like, oh, I sell vintage. And I found out she's really good at it. And then I met with her and she was just like so full of information. I couldn't, I could not wait. So some of you have asked and here we are, we are finally doing a vintage episode. Actually, it is so fascinating. Like vintage would have never been something that I would have automatically maybe be gravitated towards. I think there's like so many factors about it, like the storage space, like not wanting to have to store stuff. And I'm a total homebody. So the not wanting to like actually leave the house to go (laughs) hunting for stuff. And then, you know, I really like automated systems, you know, using mock-ups and things like that. But I have to tell you, after having this convo, I am intrigued. I think it's, I think there could be certain really, really niche vintage things that could be really fun for me to sell. And I, I don't know. I think that Jenny is going to excite you guys enough where some of you are going to get on the vintage bandwagon, like jump on the vintage train. So let me tell you a bit about our guest today, and then we will get right into it. Um, Jenny is a former number nerd turned vintage seller. She traded in her corporate role as an echometrician, (laughs) estimating home prices for a fulfilling and never boring life at home with her three kids, three dogs, five chickens, two bunnies, one fish, and a barn cat. Oh my gosh, a woman after my own heart. This journey into vintage selling, a family tradition passed down from her mom, was born out of a desire to create a meaningful income while being at home with her kiddos. This passion has now become a family affair, with her daughters joining in the thrill of hunting, negotiating, and reselling their vintage finds. In 2020, Jenny launched a Christmas blog with a heavy focus on vintage Christmas and traditions. In 2021, she turned her passion for Christmas and vintage into a profitable business, which included launching two Etsy shops that offer authentic, high-quality vintage goods. She set a goal to earn her a full-time income by year five and has started off strong, achieving a significant milestone of making $10,000 in her first year. Two years in, she's running two profitable Etsy shops, selling vintage goods, and is well on her way to achieving her five-year goal. Okay, so super interesting. We are going to cover all things vintage. This episode feels like a mini course. I feel like this is just so rich with information. If you are curious about vintage and just wanted to learn more about how Etsy works, it's absolutely fascinating. But um, Jenny really brings the heat. So like buckle up. You're going to want to take notes. If you're curious about vintage, expect to be excited by her um, energy and enthusiasm and so, so, so much knowledge. So y'all, please help me welcome Jenny for the first time as a guest to the podcast. Jenny, yay! Hi! 
Hello. Thank you for Welcome having me. Welcome to the podcast, lady. I'm so excited to do this with you. I am super excited to come on here, meet with you, talk with everybody about selling vintage. I've been walk- listening to your podcast for so long. It's like such an honor to be able to be on it. I, I'm the one who feels honored because when we met, you are like a vintage wizard, lady. You... <laughs> You are so much, such a wealth of information. I've already warned them, like, buckle up. And like, if you wanted to learn about like, it's just going to be so good. It's going to be, and thank you for being so high quality. Like, thank you for bringing the big guns to the show. You bet. You bet. I just, I love, I love getting people excited about selling vintage. So I'm just super pumped to be able to share with your audience that information. I really didn't appreciate, like, how do I want to put this? I didn't appreciate, like, how obsessed people get about vintage because it's not really it's not I like have mad respect for it but it's not really my thing like I've never delved into it so I got super geeked out when I learned from you that people are just like hardcore about vintage like if you're into it you're into it oh yeah like whatever your niche is oh for sure like people are passionate you you want to see the passion you just go to Facebook groups about a niche like a micro niche in vintage and people are just fanatical about it. Absolutely. So when you love vintage that much and you're just into it. So for me, it's vintage Christmas. I, I just love vintage Christmas, like to no end. So get, when you're into something vintage, turning around and wanting to sell it because you love it so much, rehoming vintage is like so important to you because you just love it so much. You want it to find another place where it's going to be loved. So yeah, vintage, vintage lovers and vintage sellers are just fanatical about vintage. Okay. I think I get it now because what you just said about it, like you have to, you call it like rehoming, like you care intensely who this item goes to. That makes me think of me with plants. Yes. So I wonder if those are similar. Okay. All right. Well, we got to get into it. I, first of all, like we've got to start with your story because I love that this is like a generational thing. I'm so tickled. Tell us a bit about your story. Who are you? What's your background and how did you get started in the vintage space on Etsy? Yeah. So Before I was married, before I had kids, I was an econometrician for a company where I estimated, I did did pricing models to estimate home prices to value homes for banks. And so that's kind of how I got, before I had kids, before I was married, that's what I did. That was my job. After I had kids, I decided, after my second kid, I decided to stay home, be a stay-at-home mom. I have three now, but after my second, I thought, you know what? just want to be home, stay at home with my kids, do that stay at home mom thing. And uh, so I left my job, which I I absolutely loved my job. I am a total like data nerd number geek. And so I really enjoyed doing it. I had a great boss who's a great mentor. Anyways, um, my mom has been like a side hustling selling online since eBay started like in 95. But 15 years ago, she started selling vintage items. And so as for the last 15 years, she's just been side hustling, selling vintage. And I just thought it was so cool. Like she loved it. She would go to auctions. She would go to, you know, thrift stores, all these places, find items. And she'd frequently bring stuff home for me, Christmas stuff. Like, look at this thing I found at the Goodwill. And I thought, oh my gosh, how are you finding these amazing things? So she started, she kind of got me interested in it. And then it was like, her selling it and doing it actively. And then my husband, he, during COVID, encouraged me to start a blog, I love you Christmas.com blog. And on that blog, I focus a lot on like vintage Christmas traditions, you know, like Christmas from the past and bring it forward. And vintage Christmas is a huge 
piece of that. And so take that, you take my mom selling, you take the blog and writing about vintage Christmas and me just loving vintage Christmas. And then one of my girlfriends, she is huge into going to estate sales. She used to be oh. a, do estate sales with her mom. They used to sell out estate sales. So she would keep sending me pictures of like vintage Christmas items. Like, look at this thing here. Like, well, the, the one that got me, she sent me this picture. So at Christmas villages, the, the, any Christmas village, but especially the vintage. I love a Christmas village. I just love it. She sent me a picture of this house that had like a whole wall of Christmas village pieces. And she's like, you got to get down here. And I was like, that's it. We're going. So that was the first estate sale. I bought all the village pieces. I bought them all. And I was like, all right, it's on now. Like we're doing this. We're selling vintage. So that's how it started. My mom, my girlfriend, my husband kind of like all coming together. So now my daughters, my, my son, not so much, but my daughters love going with me. They, they do their own. They pick their item. They negotiate their item. They haggle prices and they list it. They, they, well, I list it for them, but they have to take the pictures. They have to write the descriptions, do all the research for the names, the tags, everything. Then I review it, make sure it's good enough quality to go on the shop. And then I upload it for them. And my one daughter, she made like $280 last summer just selling what? vintage items. You know, what's so funny is she picked out a bunch of stuff that I, in my head, I was like, nobody is going to buy that thing. Like <laughs> nobody's going to buy that. But it was her take. It was her take on what her vintage niche is, which is a lot of toys and a lot of stuffed animals. Oh, but cute. it sold. She found this one stuffy for, she bought it for $2. And I was thinking that is never going to sell. Like who cares about a stuffy? Turns out it was a beanie baby, a special beanie baby stuffy from the nineties. It went for $80. I mean, quick. No. It went quick. How it probably had know? a little underpriced. Did she know that? Did she get lucky? Or was she, is she that like her? She just got lucky. Honestly, I feel like if you have a knack for selling vintage, you just have a knack. You just do. And she has it. They, both of my daughters have it. So yeah. So now it's a family affair. Sometimes it's my mom, me and my daughter. Uh, we all go together. Okay. So was your mom, like, I almost feel like we need to have your mom on the podcast at some point. Was she so excited that you got into it and that now you're like sharing this with the world? Oh my God. Yes. Because my mom is, is like, she's like a encyclopedia of vintage things. Like when I go with her, she points stuff out like that's this, that's that. She has 15 years worth of really deep knowledge. Right. Huh. But she she's done it for so long. She does it one certain way. So it's been fun. She's been teaching me about the knowledge of vintage items. And I teach her about how to sell them in today's, with today's tools, you know, how to use all the tools available. So it's really cool. Like when she, when she comes and stays with us for holidays, we just, you know, information share back and forth. That is adorable. So she doesn't, you guys don't live in the same town. So no, no, right now we don't, we did for a while, but no, she okay. lives, she does not live in the same town as me right now. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's so fun across the, across the airways. Okay. So let's, let, let's start at the beginning. Like, cause I have no, you're teaching me today, Jenny. I know like literally nobody's going to ever ask me anything about vintage. You're going to be our vintage girl. What qualifies something as vintage? Like let's start there on Etsy. And then how do you go about finding those items to sell? Actually like the definition of vintage varies from like niche to niche. Okay. So Etsy has just come in and said for them, vintage must be 20 years or older. So it must be okay. 20 years, the item must be 20 years or older. Then just to throw this out there as a fun fact, 
antique and vintage are not the same. So and antique is more defined and antique is like a hundred years and older for an <gasps> item to be considered an antique. It must be a hundred years and older. So you can obviously sell antiques on Etsy because you can sell vintage on Etsy. Do you so. think that, do you think calling vintage 20 years is like legit or are you kind of like, come on Etsy or how do you feel about that? No, I do. Yeah, I do. I think 20 years yeah. is good. I think, I think it's generally agreed upon that tw- like Etsy picked a number that I think is generally agreed upon just out and about that 20 years is is vintage yeah my issue is that in a few years the year 2000 is going to be vintage and i'm gonna I throw know. i know <laughs> it's crazy it's so when i see stuff and i'm like oh my god i played with this as a kid and it's like so vintage i'm like oh my gosh this can't be real so how do you go about finding items to sell so you know there's there's like a couple really great places like the first place is just your house like looking around your house, you would be shocked what you have in your house that's actually like vintage that you could sell. Um, another place, I, I have gotten a large amount of stuff from friends and family who are just like, I I don't know what to do with this. I don't want it. I'm just, And I'm like, you could sell it and you could make money. They're like, nope, I don't even want to mess with it. Do you want it? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I do. So friends and family, um, my my absolute most favorite is estate sales. Like I just, I love going to an estate sale. Okay. You can do Goodwill or Salvation Army. You could do garage sales, thrift stores. You could do the Facebook marketplace. There's a lot of stuff on Facebook marketplace that you're like, wow, that is a vintage item that I can't believe you're letting it go for that. So yeah, that's where I look at all those places. But mostly I would say like Goodwill, Salvation Army, thrift stores and estate sales for me. But I do have a lot of friends who know I sell vintage and they just bring me stuff. They're like, do you want this? Uh, I don't know. Oh my gosh. So just advertise to your people. That's This is so interesting. So because I kind of thought you were going to say something like, well, if you're interested in this kind of vintage thing, you want to look here if you're interested in here, but it really is just a big old scavenger hunt, huh? It is. You would be even garage sales. Like I have found, so, so in the vintage Christmas world, there's these little Santa mugs, vintage Santa mugs. They're really super, very, very popular. We found a whole, my girlfriend found a whole box of those, like in a box under a table at a garage sale. I'm like, whoa. That's amazing. Those are so collectible, but someone for three bucks or something, they sold them. It's just this part of how people get the bug, Jenny, because here's the thing. Like if you asked me, do I want to go spend an afternoon digging through people's old stuff and see if maybe I'll find what I'm looking for? I would yeah. go crazy. But is it just a thing? Like if you love it, you just love it. And that's it's, the thrill of the hunt or what? It's like a treasure hunt. It's exactly what it's like. Like when you go, oh man, when you go to estate sales, <laughs> And you're in there. This is why there's, there's something called in the vintage sellers world, there's something called a death pile, which is like a really creepy term. But the death pile is a pile of vintage stuff that you just keep acquiring that you have to sell. But you do it because you just love the hunt. When you go to a place and you run into something that you're just like, wow, this is amazing. That is like a vintage seller's dream. You know, why do they call it a death pile? Because you have to, it's a, a big old pile of goods that you have to work through before you die. Get it all done. You got to get oh, it done. 
I'm over there thinking it's because it's an estate sale and someone died and this oh, is their no, death row. No. I'm like, I need more context for this right now, please. Okay. So are there are there actual trends in the vintage niche? Like, how do you know if anyone's going to want what you found? So that that's a really good question. So there are absolutely trends and oh inside niches. So let me just give you like a little example right now. There's absolutely trends and then I'll tell you how we identify trends. So right now well vintage toys are always trending but right now they're very trendy vintage toys and i'll explain why so vintage toys are trending right now but when you dig deeper into the vintage toy trend you'll find that vintage 90s toys are trending mm-hmm. and when you dig deeper into that you'll see that furbies are trending Do you remember furbies oh, from the oh, 90s absolutely how are they still functioning though furbies are really hot right now if you're into vintage 90s toys because what they're doing is they're taking the furby and they're redesigning the furby they're like giving it a makeover and they're turning it in to another thing but it's still a furby so if you can find working furbies those are they sell really quickly they sell at a really nice um market rate you know like a very really nice market value so yeah so yeah there's absolutely trends and this is how i do i trend identify first of all what what do you know like i love vintage christmas so because i'm into vintage christmas i know it's trending because i'm on the facebook groups i'm talking to people i know what i like so it's what you know right what niche that you have knowledge in facebook groups are huge they're just they're great so for example vintage christmas right now vintage ornaments the glass ornaments and really just any vintage ornaments from the 50s those are trending right now because people are taking those ornaments and they're making wreaths out of them. So ornaments are really trendy. So if you go in these Facebook groups and you just follow along and you engage, you'll see what people are asking for and what people are bragging about because they're brag groups, which is in a fun way, not in a like, oh, you're bragging, but look what I found kind of thing. And then I also use the Etsy search search bar. So I'll type in like, vintage and i'll look to see what pops up so vintage clothes or vintage what comes up towards the top right so vintage clothes shoes so vintage shoes right now then i'll i'll pull up the vintage shoes let's do vintage clothes type in vintage i see clothes i'll click on it i'll pull up and then i'll just scroll through and see what seems to be popping out like what items seem to be there and then what i'll do is dig into people's shops who have a good sale or good pictures. So like, here's a really good example. Um, this lady, she sells mid-century, um, mid-century, all kinds of stuff from mid-century. But when you go into her shop, you notice that her last like 50 listings are vintage books from the fifties, like packet, like groups of books. And on her shop announcement, she says more, more books coming, stay tuned. So clearly vintage books, for her at least are trending well. So she found a trend and she kind of dug deeper into it. So yeah, that that's th- that's how I that's how, kind of how you identify a trend. And then the really cool thing about selling vintage items, this is what's so neat is people are looking for your item that you have. They're they're coming to you and they're saying, "I want vintage books." For example, with this lady, "I want vintage books from the 1950s." It's very like defined and so it's that's a neat thing about vintage is that you're not having to hope somebody likes something you designed people are literally coming for exactly what you have so just knowing what that trend those trends are you can have the item in stock it might take a little bit to sell or it might sell in a day 
Oh my gosh. It's, it's just a totally different experience. I'm so tickled. What do you, okay. So, um, oh, there's, I have so many questions, Jenny. Okay. What about pricing? So this, this is what's so interesting. I mean, we all have to really know our niche. We all have to really understand our niche, but this is, I feel like you need a whole different level of data and knowledge in your brain to do this. How do you figure out how to price this stuff? Like you're in your um, vintage, like ornaments, for example. So when you price, so I do pricing two ways. Like I do two okay. rounds of pricing. When I am shopping for the item, one of my checks, and we'll get into this a little bit more, I think later, but one of my checks is to make sure the item, I can get a good return on the item, right? So okay, that's right. Yes. what they're selling it for and what I can sell it for. There's a good margin in there to take care of my time. It takes me about one hour. So I give myself one hour per vintage item. I say you get one hour to find, research, photograph, list, and ship. So basically 10 minutes a piece. Because if you think about it, if you take too much time in any of those, now you've spent an over an hour, two hours, three, four hours on one item. If you're only getting $20 after, you know, all is said and done, costs and everything, that's just not enough for your time. So you have to be really, really aware. So I do a very quick check on site. I use Google Lens. I use my knowledge, first of all, just knowledge from selling stuff. I use Google Lens. Have you ever used Google Lens? No, what's that? So you take your phone and you hold it up to the item. You take your phone, you open Google, you hold it up to the item and it image searches. And then the image search brings back all kinds of information about the item. I use um, marketplaces. I use, you have to be really careful though, because there's a lot of incorrect pricing. So sometimes you you look at something and you're like, wow, that's going for a thousand dollars. I'm going to be rich. And then you realize somebody on Etsy just has it listed for a thousand dollars because I don't know what they have. Beanie babies are a great example of this. People have beanie, could go look beanie babies on eBay right now. People have them listed for absurd prices. And there's very, very few Beanie Babies that are worth more than like $7, you know? Oh, wow. So I, I do a quick check on site using my phone. Then when I get home, I do, I give myself 10 to 15 minutes. I do a deeper search, a research. I look at pricing guides that I have. I've, I have a number of pricing guides I've purchased. I look at multiple marketplaces. I look at items that have sold in multiple marketplaces. I check Facebook groups to see what it's sold for, what people are asking for, you know, buy and sell groups. I check Etsy to see what the competition is selling their price for. And I I try to pick something. I really believe people, I, I it really frustrates me when I see these like sellers selling Beanie Babies for $1,000. Like, I think that is, I just think that's wrong. Like you really have to have a fair price. You know, you can't just, I don't know. I, I try to be very fair on my pricing. I make sure that it is it the the condition the item is and how rare the item is. I try to price it fairly. I don't undershoot, but I do try to do a fair market price on it. So I'm basically, I look at like, how popular is it? How rare is it? What condition is it in? Yeah. Is it in very good or excellent or new in box condition? And is it a brand that's a really collectible brand? And I use all that information while I'm there. And when I get home to kind of put together a price and I try to do all that in 15 minutes, that's my, that's my goal. So. Okay. I'm thinking like a new person's going to have to give themselves some more margin, right? There's there's a learning curve piece where you got to give yourself a little more, but think in the back of your head, work towards yes. managing carefully so that, yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. And I have to tell you, sometimes I get to a place and there's no internet and I have to make a gut decision. And then I get home and I'm like, nope, this is nothing. This is not worth anything. So it just finds a place in my, in my house. No, wait, can you think of a story? Can you think of one that happened recently or sometime oh, in the past? I, I have these, I have them on my shelf. I have these three little, um, they look like, they look like they're probably from from China for like the celebration, the New Year celebration. And I thought they were going to be super valuable. Like they looked vintage to me. I thought they, turns out they're just souvenirs. If you go to China, you can get them like in any ah. shop. They're they're like plentiful and they're not even really that vintage. There's so many of them, but I was like, oh, well, I just thought, oh yeah, I found, I found a, I hit the jackpot on these. Nothing, they're nothing. So I that just have them on my shelf. Now, what's, what's really cool is you could, um, I mean, you could gift them or you, there's so many different things you could do with them, but I do think they're adorable. So I've kept them. So yeah, I mean, I still make mistakes even now. That is so funny. I mean, any of us could do that with any Etsy shop, like kind of make the wrong call. You just have had to already invest money in acquiring the thing. So it's a yeah. whole different. The other thing I'd really like to know about Jenny, because it kind of, it kind of just makes me cringe is the shipping because- <laughs> I don't know, like with my sign shop, everything was standardized. We offered certain sizes. You know, we had these three sizes that we offered, four sizes, and we had our specific boxes that were made for them. I feel like every single time, now, okay, granted, if you're getting really niche about it and you're always selling Santa mugs, fine. But how do you manage, how does shipping work? And how do you navigate just the changing landscape of every product? Shipping is, I just, this is the least enjoyable part of doing the whole thing because- it's stressful because the way I see it is these are these vintage items are like treasures, right? They're like right. historical treasures. They might there might only be a hundred of these types of things left that I have. So shipping is is difficult, but this is what I do. I, I hate it, but it is a part that you really it's like the most enjoyable, but one of the most important parts because the item must get there. And a lot of these items are delicate. So here's what I do. I have an inventory of box sizes. So okay. I I have a place locally that I buy boxes and I have a place online where you can it's a build a bundle, it's called, where you can pick like three of this size, three of this size, and you can build your bundle. And then I have an inventory sheet of all those boxes. Then what I do is when I'm out, I know my biggest box size I can ship and it still be reasonably priced is yes. 16 inches. So okay. 18 inches maybe, but 16 inches is the biggest I can go. So I go and I measure the item. If it's, if I need to measure it, I'll measure it. But otherwise I just eyeball it. If it is bigger than 16 inches, I don't buy it no matter how great it is, unless I want to try to sell it locally. If it is uber fragile, I do not buy it, even if it's great. You know, a really great example. This is a really great example. And I'm kicking myself for this. There, do you remember like in, in back in the day, maybe your grandma or your aunt had these alabaster grapes. They were great, great bundles with these alabaster rocks or glass rocks. Yes. Do you remember those? Yes, we had some in our house. Yes. Yeah. So those are the resale value on those is so incredibly high, like very high, hundreds of dollars for those. But they weigh like, they're just stupidly heavy. There's just no way to ship those. I should have just bought them last time I ran into them, but I left them there. But it's like stuff like that. that. That just killed me to leave it behind. But I knew I couldn't ship that reasonably 
and I don't sell locally. So things like that, you just have to be really well aware. So what I do is I, I have this spreadsheet, I see the item, I know if it's roughly about the right weight and size, I bring it home, I measure it, I weigh it, and then I pick a box that is about two to three inches bigger all around, and I add a pound and a half on for each item because that's about how much I'm gonna have to add for stuffing and packaging. And that's how I get a kind of general idea like that. Even, be even before I have to ship the item, I know the box size it's gonna be in, and I know the weight about what I'm about what I'm gonna pay. But the spreadsheet helps. I pull the item out, I measure it, I go down my spreadsheet, and I say, okay, this one is at least three inches bigger all around. I'm gonna use this box. And then I know instantly the box to use. Okay. If you guys have been listening to me for more than 20 minutes, you've probably heard me talk about the three most important components of a successful Etsy shop. So number one, a product that people are actually searching for and buying right now. Number two, beautiful product photos that stand out in the search results. And number three, your SEO or keywords, which really simply just means your Etsy listings need to include the exact same phrases that your shoppers are searching for up there in that Etsy search bar. In fact, even if shoppers are buying your product like gangbusters from other shops and your pictures are like the quality to be on the cover of a magazine, if you don't have your SEO nailed and those perfect word phrases all throughout your Etsy listings, shoppers will literally never find you. So wait, 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 don't feel discouraged. I've got you. I wanna let you in on my secret weapon for SEO on Etsy. It's a website called Sale Samurai that mines all of Etsy's shop and listing data so that you don't have to, thank you. <laughs> you can find out what keyword phrases are searched the most for every single niche and how many listings are using them so that you can understand how steep the competition is. That is so helpful. So within the program, you're able to see details like hundreds of other keywords you can use, what shops and listings are performing the best in your space, what the pricing competition looks like, and so much more. It's literally uh, literally a goldmine of information that will help you compete in the search results. So if you would like to get a sneak peek of exactly what Sale Samurai can do, why I love it so much, what makes it so powerful. I created a YouTube video that will give you that overview. So check that out. It will be linked in the podcast show notes for you. And so Sale Samurai is a very reasonable monthly membership that you're going to want to maintain because you're going to do this research constantly in your Etsy shop. And they have very generously given me a 20% off for life coupon code just for you guys. So you get to start with a free trial, but go through my link so that they'll give you that lower rate for as long as you stick with the service. We all need to save a few bucks here and there. So the code is how to sell your stuff. There's no spaces between the words and it's all lowercase. But of course, I will just link their site, the discount code and that YouTube mini tutorial for you all down in the show notes. <laughs> I'm so excited for you guys to get your hands on this one. I'm obsessed with it. I literally use it every day. I use it with my clients. We help help them get the edge. And I just know how much it can help you with that SEO game. So I definitely encourage you to give it a try. Someone needs to like publish this somewhere. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm just thinking how many people, um, I, it's really interesting. It kind of surprises me. Of all the questions that I get, from Etsy sellers, I'll, I get contacted a lot about shipping. 
<laughs> and it kind of cracks me up. I'm like, I'm like, yes, I have experience, but I, you don't want to ask me about shipping. You need to like measure and weigh your own item. <laughs> you know, I can't tell you. I can't, but like, I think it would be so interesting for the vintage space if someone, and I, so I think what, what I was going to ask you, and this is an off the cuff question, um, are, do they talk about this in any of the Facebook groups? Like, is anyone there, like, are, are people making suggestions to each other about, oh, like package it like this, or is there anything like, is there any kind of resource like that? So, so it really, so, so right now, actually, I just reached, so a Facebook group, yes, is one of them. So I just bought these these ornaments. They're they're vintage. Oh, they have them right here. They're vintage Christmas oh, ornaments guys. from the fifties. They're beautiful. On YouTube with us. Wow, that's the, even just the box, Jenny. I like want the I box. Know, they're gorgeous, right? Look at the box is even amazing. But uh, yeah, these ornaments are super collectible right now, and they're very delicate. So yeah. I ha I have those listed to sell, but shipping them is a challenge, right? So how do you ship it? So I reached out to the Facebook group and asked, how do people ship these? Like, can you give me a, a ideas on how you ship them? And so that is one way for sure. Wow. I, I really believe that you, everything you do when you sell vintage, you constantly have to look to make it more efficient because mm -hmm. time is money with vintage as with any Etsy handmade Etsy too, but time is money. So doing the um, spreadsheet for me is a great way you know, that kind of whole system for me works really, really well. So um, that is something that is information, you know, that's information that I will be, I'll be putting together a course here soon on how to, I'm working on it right now and it's going really nicely. That's some information and that spreadsheet and how I do that. I'm going to include all that template, no way. template in the course. Yeah. So that'll okay, be Okay. I think that's brilliant. I was going to ask you that later because I, I'm very excited that you're putting something together. I think that, I think that <laughs> you are, you are such a, a data driven person that your course will be phenomenal. Um, and I love that you're including that because I think this is something that would just make it the barrier to entry easier for people. Yeah. Okay. Time is money. Time is money. So anything you could do to reduce the amount of time, the better for you. I just, that is so interesting. I never, I mean, it's like, in a way I'm over here like Lizzie, duh, you know, but I, I've just never thought about it that way. Like I did, I definitely, when I was hiring people to help with the sign shop, I, t I would time myself and see how long it took me to do different parts of the process with, with, this, with painting the signs, just so I knew what I needed to get someone to, yeah. um, but like, and it never worked by the way. It never, it never, we could never duplicate the, the, but I just, it's so interesting when I think about vintage. Okay. I want to pivot a little bit and talk about SEO because I feel like a for vintage, it would be so important because someone is definitely typing in the, the exact thing that they're looking for. And I'm curious about the strategy. And I also am sort of wondering about, I don't know if we've even put this on here, but I'm sort of, no, I don't think we did. I'm wondering about like, you know, usually we have to watch out for trademarked or copyright words and you're like, like I can't type in onesie. Like I can't put, yeah, I'm yeah. selling a onesie cause that word's trademarked, but you're having to definitely put beanie baby or whatever. So, okay. Tell us about your SEO strategy. Also, we talk a lot about like looking at bestsellers in our niche to help figure out our own shop. And I'm wondering if that it works for vintage. I've got so many questions about like how that, that yeah. Works. So let me first just talk about the trademark because it's super simple. Oh, there yeah. are no issues. I have not run into any issues with the trademark stuff because you are literally selling a Coca-Cola wall thermometer. Like that okay. is what it is. It's a vintage. So I think because it's vintage, the trademark is not an issue, but there are plenty of words, trigger words in Etsy that will get your item 
deactivated for a little bit. It, amber, yeah. that word amber, because amber glass, amber vintage glass, but that word amber, for example, is a big one for vintage sellers because we have amber glass items that we sell, but that word amber is a red flag word for Etsy uh, because of the amber necklaces for babies. They, they oh my gosh. Yeah, those are not, be so there's a net, so really the trademark's not an issue. It's more those trigger words, amber, um, FDA, FDA approved, other, oh, oh, butter knives. So the word knife, you know, when you have butter knives or set knives, things like that. That's, so you that's get deactivated. You, have you had that happen? I have not because I'm very aware. I try to be very aware, but they constantly add new things. So you just have to be careful. You have to, you have to be in groups where people share that information heads up this is a new word my my item just got deactivated for so so that that takes care of that the so trademarks on an issue but these words you have to be very careful of and you can't so, use them is the point because you're not going to get it reactivated right you just have to not use them well yeah so it will get reactivated after they check it but you have to not use those to avoid it being flagged by okay okay yeah so there's a whole bunch of words like that, that you just have to be careful to use. All right. So what's really cool about selling vintage is people are coming and looking exactly for what you have. Like they want that item. They You don't have to design something or paint something or make something that appeals to somebody. They're looking for what you have. So, so there's two, two kinds of buyers. There are buyers who are coming in who know exactly what they want. I want... This, uh, you know, I actually have a little example. See this right here. This is a glass <gasps> Padden cool. City. This is called Padden City Emerald Glow. It's a beautiful, like, mid-century um, condiment set, okay? Somebody looking for that is going to say, I am looking for the Padden City Emerald Glow Green Glass condiment set. Exactly what you have. So first of all, you need to do your SEO research to find out what that, what's that exact terminology they're going to use. What is it? Mm -hmm. How, how do people who buy that call it? What do they call it? Then there's the other type of buyer who's buying a gift. Maybe I love Patton City Emerald Glow server, serveware, and they know it, but they don't know it's called Patton City. They just know it's green mid-century oh. brass with starburst serveware. <sighs> And so your SEO, you have to do SEO research for both of those types of buyers. So what I do is I search Google. I start in Google and I, I use Google Lens to see what do people call it. I search in Google to see what is it, what is the name people refer to it as. So people who know the name, this is how they search for it. I use E-Rank for a little bit of that, but I use E-Rank for the other side. If they're buying it as a gift, these are the words they're going to use mid-century green glass okay so like this one came up a lot as apothecary jar so maybe you use the word apothecary jar in it so i use e-rank for that and then i use etsy to kind of see what other sellers are listing it as and can i get better can i hit better because the name of the game on etsy for everything right is to get on that front page so if you can put your head in the space of people buying it for themselves or people buying it as a gift and you can use your SEO research and you can get your title to include both, which it should, it should include the exactly what it is. Plus if somebody were buying it as a gift, how would they list it? And that's how I do my titles, my tags and my description. I put all that information in there and that 
seems to work really well for me. Again, though, I only give myself 12 minutes to do that. 12 minutes to do that research. So you have to be quick. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm, I'm just thinking though, like Google lens sounds like a really magical tool for that. Google lens is amazing. It's absolutely, but you have to be so careful because it pulls up all these prices that it's listed for and what it's listed for does not mean what it's sold for. So you have to be so careful. And it's, and with vintage items, sometimes uh, let's say like a vintage doll, well, this vintage doll, if it has blue eyes, is worth thousands of dollars, but this vintage doll with brown eyes is worth nothing. So if you don't notice that, or if you look at a price of somebody who doesn't understand that, see, a, a, a collector of a vintage doll with blue eyes or brown eyes, they know it needs to have blue eyes, so they know the price. But this seller who's got it listed for $1,000 with brown eyes, they clearly don't know what they're doing. But if you're trying to price check and you see that price, so you just have to really... You have to be super accurate, but very quick while you're doing it. Yeah. It sounds like just, you can't just look at one or two listings. You have to do, you have to have a system and you have to look at more, you have to gather more data. But to your point, the more you do it and the longer you do it. And if you specialize, you're going to get pretty, pretty quick and proficient over time. It's just a matter of building the skill. I look at Etsy. I look at marketplaces. Uh, WorthPoint is a, a tool you can use that you have to pay. You have to pay to use it, a subscription fee, but they will give prices of what items sold for. And I use eBay sold. I don't look at the eBay list price. Oh. I look at eBay sold price. So those, you I use all those. There. All right, people. I hope you just heard what she just told you. That was incredible like uh, advice to use the sold feature. Yeah, that's the only one I ever use. I don't even look at what it's listed for. I would say eBay is the worst, the worst at having the prices incorrect. So you got to go. But I will say this also, eBay prices, Etsy prices. So if something sells for 100 on eBay, you can get about 120 and 130 on Etsy because hmm. the people shopping in Etsy are looking for high quality vintage yeah. items. They want to buy, they want to buy from a, a marketplace that they can trust and they know that Etsy is where vintage sellers are. So if you have really good pictures and you have high, you truly sell, truly sell vintage items that are high quality, you know, they're in great condition or very good condition. People will pay more money just for the, the knowing that I am going to get something here that is good quality and it is what you say it is. So that's how I, I use all those together to kind of zero in on a price for vintage items. So I, my if, head you have, if you just love vintage <sighs> records, go to go out estate selling, buy vintage records for yourself to keep and then sell the other 20 that you picked up so you can support your love of vintage <laughs> records. Support your habit. Okay, what about photography? Because I'm also thinking, wow, there are no mock-ups happening here. There is no. You have to photograph every single thing and upload it. Like it's just so. I now again, I'm seeing why you time yourself. So, what what are some of your? Well, also, I want to know if there are if there's staging that works particularly well for vintage because I would think like the pictures would really matter. Yeah. So photography again. That's one of my five 
my five steps, right? So I give myself only 15 minutes for photography. So what I tend to do is group things, like things. So okay. if a day I'm going to list, I try to list like 10 items in a day. Like on my list days, I try to get 10 done. So like if I'm, I set up my scene for Christmas and then I take only Christmas items that day, right? And if okay. I do vintage, kitchenware. So, so photography is like one of my most favorite parts, but it is so time consuming, but it is so important. So, oh, every single vintage listing you have almost, there's a few rare exceptions, but you have to take new photos because every condition of a vintage item is different. Yeah. Even if you've sold this item before, the condition is probably different. There's a scratch of paint here. You know, it's just, you have to retake photos. So you, I time myself, I give myself 15 minutes. I use something called replica surfaces, which is a staging. It's like, it's, it's just so great. It's like, they're like background. So you put a background on the bottom and a background on the back and you can put your item on it. It can look like you're in a kitchen or it can look like you're in front of a bathroom or at a, uh, in your on a kitchen table like you can make the backgrounds look like all a sheet pan all different stuff so i use those i would say styling all kinds of different styling works like whatever your vibe is for your vintage shop a different styling could work so for example there's this um shop i just adore this shop it's on etsy it's called bella lulu she has i could just look at her shop just for the pictures she does what I would say like our groupings. She takes her vintage item that she's selling. She groups it with the other, a bunch of other vintage items. So when you see the picture, you wouldn't really know what's being sold except for the name, but it is the most adorable. Oh, it's just the best little vignettes of vintage sell. She's great. So that's one way. I don't do it that way. I take the item and I put it like it's in your house. So here's what the item would look like in your house, on your table, on your countertop with some other stuff, you know, there are some people who just film the, a picture of the item on a white background. So I would say anything works, any pictures work wow. as long as you're featuring the item, but there are some important things, any picture taking you should do. So that first picture, like everything on Etsy is super important, right? You got to feature the item on that first picture. They must be clear well-lit pictures because people are buying this item they they're trying to figure out the condition based on your photos so i take very clear photos i take a picture of every single damaged area and by the way in the listing i say please see photos for damaged area i never leave it up to the person i don't say view the photos for condition like i am very transparent there is a scratch mm -hmm. here there is a discoloration here there is crazing in the in the glaze like i'm very clear because that i just think that's what your responsibility is as a vintage seller Absolutely. you are responsible for being authentic that it truly is vintage you better know it's vintage and you better represent the condition well like i just so anyways i make sure um I get really good pictures of the damage areas. I take a picture of the box that it came in if I have the box. Yeah, I, I I never, I just, I laugh sometimes when I see like pictures of the person just like holding the vintage item in their hand, like in front of their kitchen table with just like one photo and it's like not clear. So I think the photos are so important because these this is somebody collecting this vintage mm -hmm. item. You must represent it really, really well. So I usually do the one beginning photo that's really nice and and honors the item, 
And then I get a lot of up close photos of the item, try to indicate the size and things like that. Do you include a listing video too? Sometimes I do if it is. So for example, one of the items I have listed right now is um, a nutcracker, a Tweety and Sylvester nutcracker. <laughs> and I just wanted to show how it worked. So I, I have a little tripod I set up and I have a little button I record and then I operate the thing. If it's something, if it's a working, something that is in working condition or it's really beautiful in the, like, like these pad in city items, these I did videos because they're just absolutely stunning. And to see them like in the light, they're just absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, many times I do. And it is actually helpful to put that up. Yeah, for sure. But I also just love your approach of being so transparent about the condition. I mean, and you know, what's really nice to know is that, that that's not a deal deal breaker. Like people expect it's vintage. It's not going to be perfect. Yeah. It's part of the charm. <laughs> yes. There's nothing. I think a seller, when they know, sometimes I will even reach back out after they purchase it and say, Hey, I just wanted to make sure you saw in the listing and in the photos that this is an issue. Are you okay with it? Like if it's something that I think, Oh, they really need to be sure of this. Yeah, because I just think there's it's so important. It's it is your responsibility as a vintage seller for everything you sell to be authentically vintage. You know, this is vintage and you have represented the condition as it is. Like, is it very good? Is it excellent? Is it new in box? Have you showed all the pictures like that is your responsibility as a vintage seller? And it and it has your client or your customers trusting you. They mm -hmm. trust your store. You know, it just, it's good all the way around, all the way around. No, I love everybody. it. I love it. And I think, and I, and I love that there's like, it's not like, you don't have to hide anything. People are expecting it. And it's totally, it's totally like, um, acceptable in the vintage space to have things that are not perfect. I love it. Absolutely. So, it is. What's not acceptable is not to represent it. That to me yeah. is what's not acceptable. So I have a question for you. Can I be your coach? Since 2012, I've been working with business owners and all different walks of life and helping them figure out how to grow their businesses, develop themselves, work through fears and challenges, launch a new idea, or create a very fresh vision for their life. One of my core strengths is generating ideas and casting vision on a project, and I would just love to do that for you. Whether you need coaching for your Etsy shop or a completely different business project, I'm here to partner with you for breakthrough and brainstorm brilliant strategies with you. My experience in everything from corporate America to network marketing to consulting, web design, blogging, Etsy, Shopify, social media management, and now course creation and podcasting has given me quite the breadth of knowledge to help my fellow entrepreneur, and I would be totally delighted to work with you. You can book a coaching session over at howtosellyourstuff.com or shoot me an email at lizziesmiley at yahoo.com and we'll find out if we'd be a good fit. I cannot wait to meet you and hear what you're dreaming about. I would totally be adding a listing video every time. I just feel like that gives you a whole different, um, it just, it brings it to life. So I think that's so cool. But I love your point. Like you really only have to do it if it's something that has a f moving part or whatever. That's so interesting. It, it probably would benefit you to list, put the listing videos on everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, it probably would. Um, that's why I was interested. That uh, that's why I thought it was interesting that you don't. But it sounds like it's it's just a different, it's a whole different ball game. Okay, I would love to spend just like a minute or two on ho- on the holidays. Are the holidays really big for vintage? Do you get a lot more sales around them? Well, you're selling holiday stuff, so yeah. So I have I have two vintage shops. I have my Christmas vintage shop, which is my passion. I just love Christmas. But when I'm out hunting for Christmas, I run into vintage items that I just cannot turn away. I'm just like, I have to take you home. So I have the two shops. So I would say the vintage Christmas shop explodes at Christmas time. It's it's a madhouse, like absolutely a madhouse. The other shop, um, the other vintage shop I have, it, it oscillates it. You don't have, yeah, it's, it's not, there's definitely an uptick in sales at Christmas for sure, but it's not like the Christmas shop I have, which is just okay. blows out of the water. I run out of inventory. It's just, it's a, it's a hot mess at Christmas, but so yes. So prepping for that, prepping for the holidays, I just list as much stuff as I can leading up to the holidays because I know it's going to be, especially for the Christmas stuff, it's going to sell quick. The vintage stuff does too. It's definitely an uptick at the holidays, but I don't think it's as much as you would think it is. You know what I mean? And then I restock all of my shipping supplies. I get all my boxes in. I check my inventory on all the boxes. I get it all filled up, get all my, you know, wrapping paper and bubble wrap and everything. I make sure I have it all stocked. And I just, it starts really in August for the vintage Christmas starts in August. And then it just every month ticks up and then it peaks in November. So December, there's not much, much sales in comparison. And then I'm sure, is the spring dead or do you still sell some in the spring or are you mostly no, just building No, I do up? because like we were talking earlier, people who love vintage, whatever your vintage niche is, you are really fanatical about that niche. So one of mine is Christmas village pieces. I love, I just love Christmas village pieces and, and I'm not the only one. There's many, there's many of us. And so- Actually, the best time to buy those items, if you're a collector of vintage Christmas, the best time to buy those items is in the spring and summer because people aren't stupidly overpricing the item and just like, you know, pricing it to gouge you because they can. So yeah, if you're a collector, you're buying it in the off season. I'm I'm over here like totally beaming. So um, my aunt Robbie, it's technically, she's technically my husband's aunt, but I've adopted her. She's like one of my best friends and she moved here from Michigan um, in the last, or like it's been, a, it's been about a year and a half now and we're so excited that she's here, but she's obsessed with Christmas and she's obsessed with Christmas villages. Like yeah. when you said Christmas villages, I was, I squealed inside because she like, I'm literally going to send her this episode early because she really wants to start selling vintage, um, vintage Christmas stuff. Like when I told her I met you, she literally she got so excited. So my the beaming on my face is thinking about Aunt Robbie and what she's when she hears you mention Christmas villages, how she's going to go so crazy. I don't even know. I just had to throw that out there. So actually, like while thinking about her, I would love Jenny. What are like the first best three steps for someone who wants to move into selling? They like don't necessarily know where to start. They love the stuff. Where would you have someone start? First three steps. Okay. So when you're selling vintage. You, the most important, when you start selling, the most important thing is be happens before you even pick up a single, do not bring home one vintage (laughs) item until you do these three things. Don't do it. Just control yourself or you too will end up with a giant death pile in your house (laughs) that you'll never sell. So the step one, the first thing that you should do is 
pick your niche, sit down, mm-hmm. write all the vintage things that you love. You know, okay, for me, it's vintage Christmas, it's 90s toys, vintage toys, it's vintage records. I do not know why, but I love vintage records. I just love them. I The artwork, I just love vintage records. So you're gonna sit down, you're gonna write everything that you know a lot about. You're gonna write down everything that you love or everything you could be passionate about because whatever you sell vintage, you have to know it like you have to be an expert in that field. So you have to know it so deeply. So it has to be items that you're gonna be excited about researching because every item you bring home to sell, you have to research it. That's one of your five steps that you have to do. So you have to be able to research it, gain knowledge, and then you build this like vintage encyclopedia in your head on what you sell, your niche. So that's step one, sit down, write everything down that you could love, you do love, or you already know about, write all those down. Then the next thing you're going to do is look at the storage you have available. So even if you have a plastic tote, one plastic tote as your storage space, you can sell vintage and make very good money doing so. You can. Disney pins, vintage patches, vintage records, like there, there are endless things you could sell that are vintage. You just have to only buy the things. If you only have a bookshelf available to store, you can't go out and buy Christmas villages to sell. You can't do it. (laughs) You should see my office. I moved everything out, but I have stacks of Christmas village pieces in my room and, and they're in the garage too, but you have to assess your storage space. So maybe you only have a tote available. And so maybe you sell vintage patches. That's so cool. Patches would be so cool. Pins would be so cool. Yeah. So Disney pins are huge. Vintage Disney pins, people, there's a whole, in every vintage niche, there's a whole group population of people who are fanatical about that item. So Disney pins are, are a great example. And you could have thousands of Disney pins in one plastic tote, and that could be what you sell. So uh, that would be your second thing. So now you have your list of your vintage items that you would like to, that you could be passionate about selling, or you already know you have your space and then you're going to make a decision based on that. You're going to say, okay, I have a bookshelf. I want to sell whatever. And and then the last thing you're going to do, um, so you're going to pick your niche. That That niche might be like the item, just vintage records, or that might be 19... 50s linens like for your house right like tables and hanker tablecloths handkerchiefs things like that whatever so now you have what you're going to sell you have a whole list so you're going to write that down you said i'm going to do this niche this is my space and here are all the items that could fit in my space you're aiming for about 100 to 300 items to start if you do great you're going to get up to a thousand items well you'll need more space Um, and then the the last step i would say you have to do before you go out and buy a single thing is research your niche know what items to focus on what's trending in your niche what are the price points roughly for that that area like what's selling what do they sell for again i i I keep myself to one hour so i don't pick up anything that i can't make 25 dollars on after i take all my costs out so i need to be able to make 25 every once in a while i will i will break that rule if it's if i've listed it before and i have all the write-up on it if i if i know it sells quick if it's really easy to take a picture of it's a cup it's like not much you could do you stick it down and take a photo um i will i will sell it 
if I have it, or if it's like, I think it's just so cool. Like I have these um, 1980s cookie cutters, Christmas cookie cutters. They're, they're not going to make much margin for me, but they're just so neat. And I picked them up and I picked them up with a lot of other items. So I felt like, all right, they're going to be easy to photo- photograph and they're already packaged in the package. Anyways, that's what I would do. I would research your niche know your trends, know your prices. And then after you have those three things done, then you can head out and start your vintage hunting. Keeping, I keeping think those are, that is so great. And I love that it's before you even buy anything. Absolutely brilliant. Okay. Jenny, this was literally like a course in and of itself. You have given us so much. De- thank you so much. Like you've been so generous with information. I'm super stoked that you're coming out. Actually, by the time this airs, you're like literally guys go down to the like show notes because we'll have a course link for you. Right, Jenny, we're, yes, we're going to be really good. Oh, I'm so excited. It makes like, I, like I can't help it. Your energy about this, like your excitement. I'm all just like, do I, am I interested in vintage? Maybe I am. I didn't think I was interested in vintage, but maybe I need to do vintage. It's, it's, I, I love the passion behind it. It totally tickles me. Where are good places for people to find you and stay connected? Okay, so I have um, my website is I love you Christmas.com slash vintage academy. And that's where you can find all things how to sell vintage, how to find okay. and sell vintage. I put just blog posts up there, tips and tricks, ideas, just dip. sometimes I'll uh, highlight a product and value it and like, you know, this product, what is it worth kind of thing. So you can check me out there. Um, and then I have, um, you could always check out my shops if you want on Etsy. It's I Love You Christmas or I Love You Vintage Shop. Um, just to see, you know, just to see how I list things or what I have or what my prices are. You know what? Vintage sellers are are so, it's such a great community because there's not a whole lot of competition. We, we really work together, you know, oh, you have that thing listed for that price. That's great because it helps me with knowledge. So it's like a really cool group of people. So yeah, check out my shop, see what I've got selling, see what the price are listed for. And um, when I do finally launch the, by the time this course, this uh, podcast is out, the course will be launched. And so you can access that through my, um, I love you Christmas.com slash vintage Academy. I'll make sure we have links to all of that. And then you're also active on Instagram, right? We can find you there. I am. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. It's actually, I heart you Christmas. Okay. Um, and I think it's also, I heart you vintage shop. I actually, I think it'll be so fun to follow on Instagram. I just want to see how you do it. I think it's fascinating. Well, Jenny, I can't thank you enough. This has been so fun. Even though I'm sitting over here, like hacking up a lung half the time, I'm just like, you've got my energy up. This is just a great episode, a great topic and your excitement. I like need to come up with more excuses to talk to you. Like we need to, we should do a, um, like a 2.0 episode because I feel like there was so much more we could have gotten into. Oh my gosh. There's, there was so, there's so much more we could talk about. Like, I feel like, oh, I wish I would have talked about this or that, or this or that on this, this episode, because there's so much additional stuff that would have been, that would be great to cover. Just well, like, like- let me, you guys need to tell me if you dig this. Like, if you guys are super into this, like, let me know. But I mean, I think at least once a year we need to have you on. But maybe we can even do uh, like, let's just like see what the interest level is and if they're like what they want to hear about. We could. We, I think it'd be super fun if yeah. you're open to it. How I find and pick an item. Like, how do I make a decision on yeah. an item when I find it? That could be a whole. That's a whole thing right there. Yes. No, I think like any of these things, we could go deeper on just like even that one topic. There's so many different, there's actually so much more I'd love to know even about like the vintage community because it just sounds like a lovely group of people. It absolutely is. 
Okay. Well, thank you so, so, so much. You guys check her out. All of the links will be there in the show notes for you. Let me know what you think about this episode and the subject matter. Like, do we need to go harder on vintage? Because I'm kind of thinking we do. Um, Just my personal opinion. So thank you, Jenny. And you guys, until next week, go make something awesome. Thanks for being here with us. Bye, y'all. And that's a wrap on this episode of How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you're looking for more resources, head on over to howtosellyourstuff.com where you'll find podcast show notes, all the links from today's episode, the blog, courses, coaching, and more. If this episode was helpful to you, awesome. The greatest compliment I can receive from you is a rate, review, and subscribe on this podcast. Not only will it allow us to connect again on a future episode, it lets me know I'm providing you with value and helps other people find this content more easily. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support. Have a great day and see you next time.